The Lord be with you. And also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Welcome to Marsh Chapel. Welcome to those present, to our radio congregation, and to our internet audience. The chapel's Gothic nave, built to lift the spirit, welcomes you. The chapel's 60-year history at the heart of Boston University welcomes you. The chapel's regard for persons and personality, both in its conic stained glass windows and its current ministry, welcomes you. The chapel's familiar love of music, weekday and Sunday, welcomes you. The chapel's congregation of caring, loving souls in this sanctuary, built to last a thousand years, welcomes you in spirit. But nave, history, regard, love, and spirit lack voice, so there is also a chapel dean to give voice to such otherwise sincere but necessarily silent welcome. The Dean of Marsh Chapel welcomes you as well. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God.
join with me in the opening prayer in unison. Lord, we pray that your grace may always precede and follow us, that we may continually be given to good works through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Let us be seated as now we prepare to pause and compose ourselves in an attitude of prayer. In our pause, we trust we will return to our rightful mind and purer lives, good service to find in deeper reverence, praise. We trust the spirit at work in the world to make and keep human life human. Erezim Kohak once wrote, a life wholly observed in need and its satisfaction be it on the level of conspicuous conception or of marginal survival, falls short of realizing the innermost human possibility of cherishing beauty, knowing the truth, doing the good, worshiping the holy. We bow in confession as the choir offers our Kyrie eleison.
by a common grace, we live and love, we laugh and sing. In the grace of the pardoning God, we affirm if we confess our sins, God who is faithful and just will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Thanks be to God. A lesson from the book of Job, chapter 23, verses 1 through 9 and 16 through 17. Then Job answered, Today also my complaint is bitter. His hand is heavy despite my groaning. Oh, that I knew where I might find him, that I might come even to his dwelling. I would lay my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would learn what he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. Would he contend with me in the greatness of his power? No, but he would give heed to me. There an upright person could reason with him, and I should be acquitted forever by my judge. If I go forward, he is not there, or backward, I cannot perceive him. On the left he hides, and I cannot behold him. I turn to the right, but I cannot see him. God has made my heart faint, the Almighty has terrified me. If only I could vanish in darkness, and thick darkness would cover my face. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
Please join me in reading verses from Psalm 22 with the antiphon. My God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from helping me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night, but find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel, and you our ancestors trusted, they trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were saved, in you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not human, scorned by others and despised by the people. All who see me mock at me, they make mouths at me, they shake their heads. Commit your cause to the Lord, let him deliver, let him rescue the one in whom he delights. Yet it was you who took me from the womb. You took me safe on my mother's breast. On you I was cast from my birth, and since my mother bore me, you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Many bulls encircle me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me, like a ravening and boring line. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it is melted within my breast. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the depths of death. as you are able for the singing of the Gloria Patri, the reading of the gospel, and the singing of our hymn.
Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. Mark, chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. Glory Glory to you, O Lord. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own, and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked and went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For with God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, There is no one who has left house, or brothers, or sisters, or mother, or father, or children, or fields, for my sake, and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. But many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise Praise to you, Lord Christ. Our hymn is 141.
for the first will be last, and the last first. In the early part of August 2009, the newspaper, our national paper of record, carried a front page article about a tragic accident in upstate New York. Many months earlier, near Auburn, New York, a bright young college freshman, creative, itinerant musician, by accident ran his motorcycle headlong into a car which was waiting for oncoming traffic to turn. And for many months, he was, as the article reported, a vegetable at age 20. Not far from the location of this tragic accident, more than 30 years ago, I had made my first official pastoral visit. The hospital was located near Auburn, and the young man, age 20, had been in a motorcycle accident, too. He, too, survived, but with his life forever altered. His one hope had, had been to become a New York State trooper, and his chances had been good prior to his accident. And now, with his injuries, he would not qualify. Devastated would be an understated description of his condition. I see that young man's face by the mind's eye almost every time I make a hospital call or another such visit, 25 per week for 32 years. Returning to this summer, our young motorcyclist whose story was told this last summer suffered massive brain injury. For six months, he lay in a vegetative state. Over the next six months, only minimal improvement occurred. His family waited on him, hand and foot and diaper. His younger brother spent large swaths of every day with him. But he could not recognize his own mother. Who are you? said he. Think about that for a moment. His brother would get so exasperated that he would lift the young man and drop him to the floor, shouting to be recognized, shouting to make himself heard shouting at the top of his lungs to wake his beloved sibling from mortal sleep. For more than two decades, I have been shouting myself, but about another tragedy. In prayer, in sermons, in books, in lectures, speeches, articles, conversation, debate, and on the blog, shouting, wake up, wake up, Thou Rip Van Winkle in the land of Rip Van Winkle, wake up. After about a year comatose, the young man began to revive. He still has limited memory and limited forecasting perspective. He spends his days in a group home, taking walks, visiting the zoo and the county fair, walking past the green lawns of the college in which he was once enrolled. Think about it. For a moment, a tragic accident strips you of health, mind, memory, identity, nearly kills you. In fact, to some degree or by some measure, you may be dead. But the newspaper of record reported on this upstate accident in part because healing came to our cyclists. His healing came not by means of surgery or medication or other attention to the massive damage his frontal lobe, his main brain, sustained. 
The article meanders endlessly regarding how many and what types of attempts were so made to no avail. His only partial and very gradual renewal came by another way. When the main roads of the brain have been washed out or bombed out or obliterated otherwise, the brain turns to the back roads. Healing comes indirectly. Healing comes from the little capillaries. Healing comes from the country paths, the little lanes, the overgrown and unmapped and even unplowed blue highways of the brain. The superhighways are left behind to atrophy, age, weaken, and collapse. But the blood flows backward, not exactly uphill, but out back. The blood finds other little roots by which to nourish the barren brain. And some grudging, slow, partial, painstaking healing arrives. My church, the United Methodist Church of the Northeast Jurisdiction, was riding high on a motorcycle some 40 years ago when there was a tragic accident. Half the membership disappeared. The remaining half became twice as old. The buildings aged double time with little maintenance as some sanctuary roofs collapsed. Administratively inexperienced leadership was empowered. Simple truths about inclusiveness, choice, peace, reason, truth were forgotten. Support and salaries withered. Uneducated preachers occupied half the pulpits. Buildings were sold, campgrounds closed, missions aborted, youth groups eclipsed. And the one great feature of our branch of Protestantism, choral singing in four-part harmony, gradually eclipsed and disappeared. Energetic, intelligent, aggressive, ambitious young people found other, other vocations than preaching. My beloved church hit a car and catapulted downhill to brain damage, lost memory, forgotten identity, and near death, or a kind of death. The membership of the New England Conference on the day of that metaphorical collision was 210,000 40 years ago. Today it is 80,000. New Jersey, 200,000. Today, 85,000. Upstate New York, 155,000. Today, 60,000. Troy and Wyoming, nearby, 120,000, today 45,000. Church meetings, in the few cases that they involved conference, that is a chance to confer in honest and kind conversation, pitted those committed to rebuilding the church against those committed to opening up the church. Build or open up, build or open up. Those were the options with little but a glimmer of memory that one always requires the other. The foremost current historian of Methodism asked me in 2004 if I thought the United Methodist Church had any future. I gave my positive reply and returned the favor asking him. No, he said. Like a brother I have shouted, like a brother I have lifted, like a brother I have dropped, like a brother I have cared and loved, but the cerebral, cerebral cortex changeth not. Some of you have done so, too. The week after the article appeared about the tragic accident and the unexpected healing in upstate New York, 
my granddaughter and grandson and I, along with their parents, strolled in the village of my upbringing, a bucolic setting for a lifetime of sermonic Bildungsromanisch materials surrounded me there as it always does at the Saturday market. Jan later said piercingly how much growing up in the little college town of Hamilton, New York had forged myself, a love of free space and freedom to move around, safe and unhindered, a familiarity and confidence in academia, an assumption about the certain goodness of the church as one part, only one part, of God's good community, a regard early and late for the quality of speech, the significance of language, the joyful love of the mother tongue, a joy in fishing, hiking, swimming, skiing, skating, cycling, golfing, all at the drop of a hat, all within a 10-minute ride or 20-minute walk. No oversight and the recognition of the freedom in such freedom. Time and space for friendship without the intrusions on friendship that can come with wealth. A long twilight childhood for which twilight did not fall and the streetlights did not come on until age 13 and 1968 and the mudslide of Woodstock and the mudslide of American culture. That day I took my son-in-law to see the old Methodist church. With his children we walked around to the back of the church Once there had been a simple lawn there, like the many and simple lawns that lushly and lavishly adorned so many upstate cities and towns. I remember the side street as a dirt road, but early or late it is now paved. And behind the church there is now a playground. It is called Marywood, and I want to describe it for you. And here is the reason I want to describe it for you. It is a capillary a little vessel carrying a little blood, a tiny moment of real healing coming out of the back roads by the rivers of memory, ever smiling, ever gentle on the mind. The playground is named Mary Wood, and it is an example of spirit, speech, and space making way for a common grace. (coughs) Says the sign, a toddler park in the spirit of community, welcome. The donors are listed. Some are Methodists from the church whose lawn holds Marywood. Some are neighbors who have lived in that location for 60 years. One is in memory of such a neighbor who died as the park was built. The Rotary Club joined the partnership. And there is the church, presumably absorbing exposure, responsibility, liability, and insurance. As one who was a child on that back street and that back lane, I found the sign on the fence breathtaking. Listen to its simple sentences. Welcome to Mary Wood. There is a child in all of us, but this playground is for children. On Sunday mornings, we prefer praying to playing. During services, you are welcome to join us inside. Our neighbors love children, but they also enjoy quiet mornings and quiet evenings. Narrow Little John Street is perfect for walking, but not for parking. Toddlers, please make sure your adult friend stays and plays with you at all times. Don't let them sneak away. So said, not what might have been, adolescents stay out, closed on Sunday morning, stay out before 9 or after 8, 
no parking, children must be supervised at all times. Rather, graceful, playful, admonition, reminder, a gentleness in discourse, and so in community. There will be no large, lasting, quick recovery for the United Methodist Church of the Northeast jurisdiction. The time to have attempted that was before the boat had started fully to capsize, before our own metaphorical cycle crashed. Our last real chance came about 20 years ago, humanly speaking. The massive damage to the main brain, the catastrophic near lobotomy of the cerebral cortex, will not directly be healed. But there are the back roads, the capillaries, the little vessels, the Mary Woods. Mary Wood models spirit. Those who built that playground in 2003, one assumes with pastoral imagination of the minister leading the way, had about them a certain spirit, a humble spirit, a human spirit, a humanizing spirit a readiness to admit that there are many ways to keep faith, an openness to others, especially to unknown, different, future, foreign others, a care for children, the least of these, a modest mode of partnership, Methodist, Baptist, town, gown, rotary, church, neighbor, visitor, generation to another. Our future will also bear the mark, the imprint of this spirit, Galatians 5:22 There is here a memory that ministry is service. There is here a memory that ministry includes children. There is here a memory that Jesus was the person for others and that the church is the community of faith working through love. There is a memory that it is God who heals and we are God's own, the sheep of God's pasture. You might say that there is a Christological memory at work battling the Christological amnesia of the last four decades. And to be clear, to say it so that there is no mistaking it, there is a memory here of grace. Marywood is a reflection of a common grace, the partnership of the gospel. <clears throat> but that memory starts with grace Prevenient. Before we hear of it, God is at work, loving children, speaking kindly, opening space for common graves. Those who built Marywood, perhaps mutely but truly nonetheless, affirmed faith in such a prevenient grace. Our healing comes across such back roads. Marywood models speech. How something is said is just as important as what is said. There are flat and fundamental and finally false ways of saying things that are the equivalent of shouting at a hearing-impaired person. With every occasion for communication, including the very simplest, as evidenced in the Marywood sign, there is an opportunity for grace. We have very little left to go on. We in the Protestant Church in the Northeast have very little left to go on. A few thousand 60-year-old members, a few hundred 150-year-old churches, a few scraps of memory. But people instinctively know when they hear good news. They know when the gospel is preached. They hear it.
They feel it. They know it in their bones. And people who read the Marywood sign know that they are being addressed if they allow themselves to be at all addressable from another realm, a dominion of grace, a just, justified, justifying, right-wising, loving, freeing realm of grace. I repeat the gracious admonitions. Listen to the way they are put. Welcome to Marywood. There is a child in all of us, but this playground is for children. On Sunday mornings, we prefer praying to playing. During, during services, you are welcome to join us inside. Our neighbors love children, but they also enjoy quiet mornings and quiet evenings. Narrow Little John Street is perfect for walking, but not for parking. Toddlers, please make sure your adult friend stays and plays with you at all times. Don't let them sneak away. This is not nostalgia or flummery or rhetorical trimming or cute speech. It is a moment of justifying grace. The writer-speaker is not worried, not anxious, does not have a furrowed brow. The writer-speaker is not a salesman, but a witness. The writer is not looking for a certain kind of response. It is another world, a new creation, peeking in upon the dementia of a dying church within the loneliness of a frightened world. Here we are, says the writer-speaker. Come in, play, enjoy. Oh, and if you are so moved, come and join us come Sunday for what means most to us. It is that indirection, telling the truth but telling it slant, as the poet said. <coughs> that confident aplomb, that air of happy courage that is everything justifying grace gospel. If we are to speak the gospel, we shall need Marywood's speech, just grace, a willingness to lay down our sword and shield, to put on a long white robe, to study verbal war no more. If that is, we want to be heard by a world that increasingly experiences language as aerial bombardment, hit-and-run driving, and other forms of e-damage. Those who planned Marywood, perhaps indirectly but nonetheless truly, affirmed their sturdy faith in grace that justifies on its own terms. Healing comes across such forgotten, overgrown, unplowed back roads. Marywood models space. Those who imagined and created this remarkable play space did so with a certain eye upon space. Read sometime Gaston Bachelard's Poetics of Space. Children who grow up in high, broad space have a high, broad perspective. Setting the spatial setting is 90% of such education. Now, we may want to become very practical here for a moment. Across the United Methodist Church of the Northeast Jurisdiction, we lack many things. You make your list, here is mine. We lack people, leadership, money, trust, skill, memory, courage, numbers, heart, but there is one thing of which we have almost endless supply, space. 
unused, empty, vacated shirts, lawns, buildings, lots, land, space. Space? We got space. So why not use it for the common grace? Why not take the empty church and make it merry wood? Have we forgotten the love we had at first? There is hardly a setting in our region that with a little pastoral imagination could not become a merry wood, small or large. Life is not about what you do not have. It is about what you do have. Enjoy what you have. Do what you can. Be who you are. Well, we have space. One church could use its empty sanctuary to provide sanctuary for refugees. Another could use its forlorn basement for ministry among and with those hunting for work. One church could use its lawn for skating rinks and hockey. Another could use its garret to house unemployed members and so on. Those who built Marywood, however mutely or unconsciously, exhibited a confidence of faith and sanctifying grace in the possibility by back roads of betterment. You can. You can if you think you can. That is not a word about spirit. That is not a word about speech. That is a word about space. Later last summer, I heard our daughter and son-in-law singing to both children as they were bathed, this little light of mine, this is the day, I love the mountains, I love the rolling hill. Every round goes higher, higher. When children sing the songs of faith, like these and others, when I hear them, I feel happy, and more so, I feel some hope. Their parents and other clergy like them are not going to give over the church or the future, not going to give away the broad, magnanimous, open, liberal, large, loving, free, caring Christian church to fear. They know the difference, and they live it. Healing is coming, slowly, partially, painfully, indirectly, along the back roads, in spirit, in speech, in space, grace prevenient, spirit, grace justifying, speech, Grace sanctifying, space welcome to Mary Wood. Amen. Dear friends, we come to the time in our service when we offer our prayers to God. I would invite you to stand or kneel or come to the communion rail or remain as you are according to your tradition as we sing together our call to prayer. Lead me, Lord.
holy God, holy and mighty, holy and eternal, have mercy on us. We who worship you from the banks of the Charles, whether in the nave of Marsh Chapel, while running on the esplanade, or sensing the ebb and flow of the tide across the airwaves, experience you in awe and feel our dependence upon you. Just as we seek out water to fulfill the needs of our bodies, so do we seek you to fulfill the needs of our souls. Even when we do not know where to find you and would flee from your presence, still we are your creatures, and we turn to you with confidence that you will lead us home. Like David, we receive news of those who have died, and we weep. We know David's prayer, Would God I had died for thee. We pray for them. Grant them eternal rest, O Lord, and may light perpetual shine upon them. And in the pleasures and pains of life, may we know the love of Christ and be thankful. So too with the psalmist we struggle for justice. We confess that in this struggle it is sometimes hard to perceive you and we ask, as Jesus did from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But you have not forsaken us in the day of trouble, and we offer ourselves and our struggle to you. We pray today for those marching in Washington, D.C. in the struggle for equality and the full inclusion of our lesbian and gay brothers and sisters. And we pray for those who this weekend name and affirm their full humanity as lesbian and gay children of God. With Jesus' disciples, we know how difficult the path of faith can be, and we wonder, who can be saved? We give you thanks, great God of grace, that our salvation is not our own, but a gift of you. We pray for strength to live out your gift of salvation, being as Christ to those we meet, and finding Christ within them. Out of grief, out of the struggle for justice, and out of the joy of salvation, we who follow Christ indeed Pray also in Christ's words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen.
peace of the Lord be always with you. We have a lot of announcements today, so please bear with me. The first of which, we've got the red pads here at the end of the pews towards the center aisle. I'd appreciate it if you could fill those out so that we can get to know your names better. And it's also a great opportunity for you guys to get to know each other's names. Um, another thing is we're going to have coffee hour today, our usual coffee hour, downstairs in the basement in the marsh room. We'd love to have you join us there. If you're an undergrad and you're interested in getting more involved in the activities around Marsh Chapel and around the BU campus, I'd encourage you to look into the servant team. Um, if you're interested in the servant team and finding out more about that, I would contact Brother Larry Whitney, or you can email servants at bu.edu. And as I'm sure most of you know, next week is Parents Weekend. We have many activities going on next weekend. First of which, Saturday, 10 to 12, we have an open house here at Marsh Chapel, and we're also gonna have donuts and coffee on the BU Beach, which is just over there. And we're gonna be out there watching the head of the Charles Regatta, so we'd love to have you join us. Big thing going on, Saturday, 7.30 p.m., we have the Parents Weekend Concert, um, the Marsh Chapel Choir and Collegium, along with the Boston University Chamber Chorus, will be presenting Haydn's The Creation. Admission is free, however, donations are highly encouraged. We'd love to have you join us. And finally, next Sunday, following the service, um, we, in honor of Parents Weekend, we'll be having a luncheon over at Barristers Hall, which is on the first floor of the law school, just over that way. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
God. We give these representations of our possessions to you. They represent the work of our hands and the desires of our hearts. They are given freely to you out of love for you and fellow creation. We know that you give us heed and deliver us from the darkness that would vanish us. We give in faith that others will know the delight of your deliverance. Amen. make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you peace now and forever. Amen. 